Hello and welcome to episode 67 of Owen the Saints podcast, your podcast dedicated to Southampton Football Club. I'm Patrick Serlis and with me today I have Jack Serlis. Jack, been keeping tabs on you as you reacquaint yourself with the pubs of South London. How are you doing today? Shattered, mate, today. It was a big, big night last night in London Bridge. In London Bridge. Where'd you go? Um, well, I played football up in St Albans, lost 4-1. We won't talk about that. Um, and then we just went to a little pub just un- like just outside London Bridge Station. Stayed there too long. It was absolutely pissing down with rain. You're spending £6 a pint. Mm. Really Opposite need to... Opposite Borough Market. Yeah, exactly. That's the one. Bunch of grapes. Probably, probably. <laughs> good, good pub. You know it good well. Pub. I do know it well, yeah. It's nice. I like, I like that area of London. Um, so yeah, the agenda for today's podcast is pretty simple. Another win for Saints on Saturday. That's two in two games. The first time we've managed back-to-back victories since December. We'll discuss the performance, the result, Nathan Teller's 1,000 megawatt smile, the return of fans on Tuesday. And we'll also discuss a couple of transfer rumours and what Matt, on what Ralph may be looking to do this summer with the team. Let's start with Fulham though. Just seven days ago, this game had the potential to be a relegation six-pointer, but Scott Parker's side lost to Burnley and we beat Palace, putting to bed any lingering doubts we may have had about relegation. And the positivity continued at St Mary's on Saturday as we made it consecutive 3-1 home wins. Goal scorers for us, Che Adams, Nathan Teller and Theo Walcott. Fulham, already relegated, looked a poor, poor side. Um, and we, we put them to the sword, really. There was a brief moment when they, they pulled it back and made it 2-1, where there's a few concerns and a few opportunities they had um, to equalise. But on the overall balance of play, I think we were more than deserved winners. Jack, what did you make of the performance? Great performance. Uh, back-to-back wins now, six points, huge, I think. But um, yeah, overall performance, really good. Players like... Shea Adams, I think, continue to impress. I think he's getting better and better. It's his all-round play um, that I think is just top draw at the moment. Like He set up a brilliant chance for Minamina in the first half. Seems to be picking the right passes at the right time. Again, Stuart Armstrong in midfield. Really, really good performance from him. And also like seeing Salisu get the start. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about transfer rumours later on in the show and where, where we need to strengthen. But I think... We haven't seen him consistently play in a Samson shirt this season for one reason or another, but I think next season is going to be huge for him, getting getting him in that centre-back alongside Vestergaard, I'd say. Um, and I think he's got a great future because he was, he was really good. But yeah, the overall performance, I thought, was back to the Saints of old, back to the Saints of the start of the season where we were confident on the ball um, and clinical as well. Yeah, I mean, certainly um, helps when you're playing awful teams yeah. and that is a caveat there I don't think we can get too carried away it's, it is Palace and Fulham neither of neither of those two teams are putting up any trees but I think even if we want to put a little bit more of an optimistic spin on it even going back a couple of games I think we've we've seen enough from us over the last four or five games to say that we are getting back closer to where we were at the start of the season versus where we were in that dreadful run um, in the early months of 2021 because um even looking at the defeat to Liverpool, there were positives to take from that game. And we, we certainly should have scored um, at Anfield. And, and the Leicester game, playing 80 minutes with, with 10 men at home, was a fantastic performance. And, and even going back to the Spurs game, which I know we lost 2-1, but that first half performance 
at Tottenham was very, very encouraging as well. So um, there is uh, lots to be optimistic about, I think, um, over the last four or five games or so. And I think Ralph has finally figured out a little bit. Things are starting to go his way a little bit more. We've seen a little bit of a plan B as well with this kind of hybrid system that Dan Sheldon talked about in The Athletic where we play almost a three at the back when we have possession and then we revert to the 4-2-2-2 defensively. But let's start with Che Adams because he opened the scoring with us. He has scored nine goals now this season in the Premier League, six assists. He got another assist, I think, did he get an assist against Fulham? Um, just double check that. I don't think he did because it was. Um, no, he didn't. Yeah, it was. This, it was the pass to. Um, Carl Walker Peters on the right hand side. Right. Yeah. Um, but he's involved in our build up. He's involved in our play. Nine goals, six assists. He'll be looking ahead. Obviously, scored his first Scotland goal in March to the Euros. Potential opportunity to play against England at Wembley. He's a confident striker, and I don't think we've seen uh, Chams be as confident in a Saints shirt as he is currently. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Nine goals this season, as you said, building on the four from last season. Just trying to remember, it was in Project Restart that we really saw the best of him, didn't we? Um, Mm -hmm. Last season, when we got the win against Manchester City and he's got his first goal. And then I think I'm right in saying he scored against Bournemouth, then he scored a brace against Sheffield United on the final day. Um, So fingers crossed, he's a striker that likes to finish the season strong. He seems to be a very... Streaky striker, doesn't he? he goes on little mm-hmm. little runs where he scores back to back or a brace here and there, and then maybe goes six or seven games without a goal. But I just think if he, the more he plays in the Premier League and the more he, you know, builds up a partnership with Danny up front, hopefully into next season, I think he can rival him for our, you know, top goal scorer because Danny's on twelve at the moment, um, and obviously he's had quite a few injuries this season. But nine goals for his second striker, I think it's been a quite a long time since we've had two players at the club score double figures in one season so yeah I think definitely he must be buzzing at the moment like hitting this Mm -hmm. kind of form just just ahead of the Euros and potentially could be playing England couldn't he next month I think it's going back to 2016 when we had Mane Pella uh, Shane Long I think got double figures that that season as well yeah Um, and obviously Dusan Tadic was close so it'd be great if, if Che can get another one. He's got opportunities. We play Leeds next on Tuesday and then West Ham on the final day. So he'll definitely be looking um, to grab that. I think what's interesting for me when you're talking about his performances at the end of last season was so strong. We actually started the season really strong. And I know on this podcast, we were talking about how promising that partnership looked with Danny Ings. And the reason, part of the reason why I think it fell apart um, for us as a team was Danny's injuries. Now, picked up that one against Aston Villa, obviously got COVID as well through the winter um, and then has dealt with injuries in 2021, so which has disrupted that partnership that he built with Che. Yeah. And I know Danny was pretty subdued, pretty quiet against Fulham and, and got withdrawn after 58 minutes, but still that partnership was there. Um, and if it's not Danny that's scoring, it's Che. And we need we need to be able to share that load. So for him to get his ninth of the season was fantastic. Obviously, we're important to say from another set piece, James Ward-Prowse, all seven of his um, assists in the Premier League this season have come from set pieces, whether that be free kicks or corner. It was a free kick on Saturday. Fantastic delivery. Um, Fulham didn't attack it and Che's there to pick up the pieces like he did against Palace when he snuck in at the back post 
uh, and it was a great finish. This one wasn't particularly easy. He took it on the half volley um, and it's great to see a, a striker confident in the right place at the right time that's sticking those chances away. Those two could be playing against each other at Wembley. I think it, it's, it's a big ask, I think, for Ward Prowse to be starting. I don't think Gareth Southgate is going to start him in midfield, but Shea certainly will be looking at that Scotland number nine shirt as as one that he's a, he's a striker that's scoring goals in the Premier League that he, sh- he should be making that his own. Yeah, he has to start. I can't think of many other Scotland strikers playing, you know, kind of top level football at the moment and scoring goals. So I think he is 100% a start for Scotland and they've got a great player to, to add to that squad. But yeah, that, that goal on, on Saturday against Fulham, the first thing that I thought when I saw it was awful defending. I know Ward Prowse puts it on the money, but you cannot let a ball bounce in your six-yard box and let a striker half-volley it. I just don't understand how that happens. You've got big centre-halves in the mid in in the centre there. I don't really get how that ball can go past them and bounce. But like you said, it was just it was um it was Shea. Just buried it, wasn't it? It was good. It was great. Um let's talk about set pieces as well because I tweeted this out during the game. Another goal from from a set piece and obviously we've got James Ward Prowse and we hope that he can do this for England at the summer as well. But defensively, I don't think too many fans are aware that we actually have the best record defensively from set pieces as well. Oh really? Just just 11% of our goals that we've conceded this season have been from set pieces, which is the lowest percentage. Um, As somebody pointed out, we have conceded a lot of goals. Um, Only West Brom have conceded more than us in the Premier League this season, which will impact um, that stat, I think, to to a slight degree. But it's still the case that defensively from set pieces, we don't concede many goals and we're very, very strong. I think Yannick Vestergaard has a lot to do with that. But I think credit needs to go to the entire coaching staff. And I think it's Dave Watson that looks after our set pieces. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong on that. But I think the last time I read something around our set pieces, it was him that was in charge of setting those up. Um, but credit where it's due, it hasn't been a particularly positive season. But one huge, huge positive we can take is our defending set pieces and our attacking set pieces. I'm just going to go off on a slight tangent here, Pat, because I'm watching the West Brom game and Liverpool have just scored from a set piece. And Allison mm. has scored a header. He came up for the last. Allison has come up for the last corner of the game and just buried a header. So they've won. They've won the game. It's absolutely ridiculous scenes here at the Hawthorns. Oh my god! It's like we are like Chris Kamara Gen- giving us the giving <laughs> us the play by play. It's honestly one of the best headers I've ever seen as well. It's absolute Shea Adams front post. Danny Ings kind of front post one against Spurs. Um, I imagine that the scenes are. Yeah, it's stupid. It's stupid yeah. at the moment. But um, yeah, I think at set pieces for Southampton, it is, it's massive for us. It's obviously something that we work on hugely. And I think the, about James Will Prowse going, going to the Euros, surely, surely Gareth has that in the back of his mind. Where I know we've got great free kick takers like Trent and players like that, but the amount of games at major tournaments that get decided on corners and free kicks is massive. And I think if you've got someone... If you've got someone to uh, to whip the ball in like Will Prowse, you need to bring him. We have to talk about Nathan Teller. What a performance from him. 98 seconds after coming off the bench for Danny Ings, making it 2-0. And credit again to, to Kyle Walker-Peters, a great low delivery and he couldn't miss really. But that's the only thing that's been lacking from Teller's games. He's been one of our brightest sparks in 2021. Um, one of the few points of where we can look to and say okay this is a positive that we can take from this year so far 
his performance is even going back to the Sheffield United victory when he won the penalty. Um, his performances have been been really, really good. So for him to get that goal is absolutely massive. You could see how much it meant to him. A beaming smile when he tucked it away. Um, and after the game, Ralph describing him as our biggest talent um, at the club currently, which I think is is no surprise really. Uh, he's been he's been exceptional whenever he's been given the opportunity and, and now he's got that goal and he followed it up with the assist for Theo Walcott's um, for, for the third goal for Saints on Saturday. He'll be full of confidence and, it, and it's great to see another player coming through the academy making an impact at, at first team level and not just making an impact but looking like he's got the potential to go on and be a, a kind of a starter for us next season. Yeah, I think out of all the players that have come from Southampton's academy recently, he's definitely the one I think that's shown the most promise. We've had players like Will Smallbone and, and Oberfemi come through um, recently, but personally, I think Nathan Teller's kind of slotted into the Sanson first team like easily, um, most easily compared to those other two. Um, and he's, it hasn't come easy to him, I think. He's just reading the article by, by Dan Sheldon on The Athletic, obviously rejected by Arsenal in 2017. They needed trials at a few different clubs, Reading and Norwich. And he only joined us in 2018 and it was Riley Jaidi's youth team that I think won a bit of silverware, um, that team, but um, had a really bad ACL injury last season. But I just think this season, what what I like most about him is his kind of like his energy and his enthusiasm. And Ralph post-Fulham game did say sometimes he sprints more in 20 minutes than others do in 90 minutes. And I think that is a little bit of a... I don't, I, he obviously, Ralph put so much emphasis on players' kind of physical attributes and how much they work for the team. And that's one massive tick that I think would be next to his name. And since you can guarantee that he's going to put in 110% for the team and there might be some players that don't get don't get that many minutes in the first team. It's because they don't do that work. But Nathan Teller, great for him to get that first goal. And I think genuinely he's had quite a few chances. I think of the one that got cut across to him by Shadams and he kind of scuffed it. Um, I think he could go on a little run now because he's getting in the right areas and it's just about having that bit of composure. Yeah, he said that, Teller said that after the game that he's had opportunities and kind of had been playing on his mind, some that he'd worked a keeper and others that he hadn't. Um, So for him to get one on the plate six yards out, just kept kept his knee over the ball and and tucked it away was, was great to see. I think as far as Ralph's quote, I think that's interesting. I think it's a great compliment to Nathan Teller to hear that that he sprints more in 20 minutes than others do in 90. I think it's a dig at some of the other players. Yeah, so definitely. For sure that playing, we've got options in, in Teller's position. I know he came on up front um, against Fulham, but he's also played in that number 10 role where we do have the likes of Gineppo. Um, we do have the likes of Nathan Redmond um, that play there. Obviously, Stuart Armstrong is a first name on the team sheet player in that position and has been very, very good for us filling in alongside James Ward Prowse recently, again, on, on Saturday, had a good performance. Um, but there's a few players, Gineppo and Redmond, um, spring to mind that could be doing, should be doing a hell of a lot more. Redmond got the start on Saturday, as did Minamino. Um, the two of them were largely anonymous. I think Minamino, not sure, again, why he is playing, whether there's some clause in his contract with Liverpool that he has to play a certain amount of games or Ralph genuinely sees him as the best option in that position. Um, I think the jury is certainly out and the fact that he won't be with us next season is, is I would not be surprised now to see Teller starting against Leeds and against West Ham um, based on his 30-minute cameo um, at Fulham. But 
Redmond, with Minamino was anonymous, Redmond actually hurt us, I think, in a few occasions. Sloppy in possession, wasteful in attack, had a couple of opportunities to score it himself and hit it straight at the keeper or, or wide. And it, like we, we can bash Redmond almost every week, really. But again, it wasn't a particularly strong performance from him. And I think when Ralph talks about um, Teller in that way, I think he is having a dig at the likes of Gineppo and Redmond that that don't do it for 90 minutes or don't do it for 30 minutes, let alone 90 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I kind of forgot about Gineppo then. I think he's going to be very difficult for him to get back in the team because we do, I think we do look stronger when he's not playing. I think he is a bit of a... Um, bit, bit weak on that on that side when he is playing but Redmond the thing that I've that I find with him is that he gets in the right positions he's always looking for the ball he always wants it and he has chances but lacks conviction is the way that I would put it sometimes he has the ball on that left hand side and, and rather than really putting his foot through it and trying to find the far corner he'd almost lean back and kind of expect the keeper to tip it wide I just think he lacks that bit of mm-hmm. confidence which you've got a top top player that would just be like I'm going to bend this in the far corner and the keeper's getting nowhere near it it's almost like I'm going to I'm going to have a decent effort and I'm expecting the keeper to save or it might rebound back in for a strike I just don't think he's got that clinical edge that you need for a top player um, obviously he's been he's been a great player for us well not a great player but he's been a decent servant for us over the years and he had a great season under Claude Puel but I just think it's got to the point now where if we are really going to kick on he can't be playing um, every single week I think that is definitely a position that we he can't be starting no, for us no. anymore like he can't and into next season we can't be having him as a starter I think um I think you make a good point on the lacking conviction. I think he lacks conviction in his finishing and just being on the ball in general. Um, there was one occasion in the first half against Fulham that really stood out to me. The ball came across to him and he was in the box, um, 1v1 with the defender, and he just squared him up, just like literally put his foot on the ball mm. and stopped and squared him up. And it's like you need to you need mm. to take him on. You need to make life difficult for that for that fullback. If you if you stand on the ball, square him up. Like it's just it was incredibly frustrating to watch because then he cut back and and the lay the ball lay the ball off because he missed the opportunity to really drive into into um the heart of the penalty box. So um we've seen it too many times now from Redmond, I think, and and we're not gonna dwell on it too much. One thing I did want to talk about was the defence because this was a game on Saturday where we should have kept a clean sheet really. Um, Fulham were offering next to nothing. We'd gone two 0 up with with Teller's Teller's strike, and we let Fulham back into the game, and they did end up halving the deficit. They actually had a couple of big opportunities before they scored. Only last ditch tackles from from Jack Stevens um, prevented them from scoring earlier. And I just wanted to talk about Stevens because it was a real. Um, I want to say Jekyll and Hyde would be a bit of a cliche, but we saw the good side of Stevens and we saw the bad side. And and I was praising him after those two tackles because it's not easy to be dropped from a team like Stevens was and then to come back in and to play well. Now he has had to come back in recently um, and he has done pretty well. And he made two fantastic last ditch tackles that saved us. But then on the goal, we saw kind of, Head's gone, Jack Stevens, where he follows the ball, loses his man, rushes out, gets completely beaten, and you and it just turns around and he's like, "Oh, I'm ten yards out of position," and they tuck the ball away, and it's two one, and it's just like the mental side of the game. I think he really, really struggles with because ninety percent of the time he's a good defender, but then he'll just make that mistake, which he which he did, and it and it costs you at Premier League yeah, level. I think no, I. 
no Southampton fan thinks that Jack Stevens is a is a starter. I think he is a squad player. So I just I'm hesitant to be overly critical of him because he's who who thinks that Jack Stevens the answer for Southampton. He's in there because we have defensive issues, um, but he's definitely third or fourth fourth choice with everyone fit um, and on form. But like you said, it was just it was a mistake. Us in the West Brom Liverpool game, Reese Williams did exactly the same, where he went kind of just got drawn by the player and then there was so much space in behind and Hal Robson Carney scored in this game and it was Cavalli that scored for Fulham. It's just, it's it's poor defending. That's the only way to say because he's not, he's not reading the, the overall space and he's just getting dragged in and distracted by, by mm-hmm. the, by the run. Yeah. But we, we scored the third Theo Walcott off the bench. Um, a word on Ralph Subs because that's two goals from Ralph Subs and he has been criticised um, a lot this season for either a lack of, subs or a lack of impact from his subs when he does make them so um a little bit of credit there obviously Teller scoring within two minutes coming on and and Walcott grabbing the third fantastic assist from from Teller and a great bit of play involving Adams to Teller and in the back heel slight deflection on the strike and and Walcott scored um obviously lots of talk about Walcott getting this two-year contract has your opinion on that changed at all was thinking about it. I was thinking about it this weekend because he do, he obviously seems like a very popular player um, mm-hmm. with players like Nathan Teller and a few of the other young guys. I can imagine that he would be a very positive person to have in the in the dressing room. Someone that's played for England, someone that's played Champions League, um, you know, for, for clubs like Arsenal. Um, we don't have too many of those players in our team. Players that have been there and done it, in a sense. So I can understand the logic of. You know, we've got this guy really popular in the dressing room. He understands his role within the team, which I can imagine would be, you're not going to play 90 minutes every week, but we're going to use you when we need you. And it's quite hard to come by. I do, my initial thought is that it would be a little bit of a waste of resources to give to give Theo Walcott a big contract. Well, not a big contract, but I can imagine he's not, he's not one of, it's not going to be cheap and we'll probably give him a two or three year deal probably. Um, so initial thoughts is a bit of a waste of resources. I would like us to go for someone a bit more younger and maybe more potential. However, I can see the logic. I think he he would be someone that could put his arm around players like Nathan Teller and really kind of nurture them into a better player. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I'm in a similar boat to you. I, I was against it. Um, before for that exact reason of the resources are better spent elsewhere though that being said on Saturday it did fill me with more confidence seeing Walcott coming off the bench than it would have done had we brought Gineppo on or had we brought say Redmond if he'd been on the bench and we brought him on I much I think we we offer much more bringing somebody like Theo Walcott off the bench than either of the other two let's say that we started next season with Teller and Armstrong or even Walcott and Armstrong. I like the idea of Walcott coming off the bench or Teller coming off the bench. Um, I like the idea less of someone like Gineppo coming off the bench. Now, hopefully, Gineppo's still a young player and he will find that consistency. But at the moment where we talk about Gineppo being a wild card, he's a wild card for the wrong reasons for us this season or has been a wild card for the wrong reasons. We've seen him score some absolutely fantastic goals and that's him being dynamic at the other end. At the moment, it's just, it's it's not been a good season for him in terms of uh, consolidating his position in the Saints first team and I think he's got a lot of work to do this summer if he is to do that also got the prospect of potentially Ellie Nusi coming back into the picture um, there has been some talk about that as well obviously has had another season at Celtic where they are 
very impressed with him um, and didn't really get too much of a fair shake under Mark Hughes um, at, after after we signed him. So I wouldn't be completely surprised if we saw him return to the picture, Would which would which would be interesting. But I can see the logic of us signing Walcott permanently. I just wouldn't want it to be at the expense of making other signings elsewhere. You know what I mean? I don't want to spend 60 grand a week on Phil Walcott. That means that we can't strengthen other positions because on that topic, I think the defence is one that needs needs work. Obviously, Ryan Bertrand leaving on a free transfer. We've got Salasu coming in. I thought he played well against Fulham. Wasn't particularly tested, but it's another game for him where he'll gain some confidence from being... Um, being a starter in the Premier League. Yannick Vestergaard, we need to keep hold of him for sure. Jan Bednarak's been out of form now for a few months, but has proven himself to be a capable Premier League defender. So, and obviously Carl Walker-Peters on the right. We need that. We need that left back coming in. And there have been a few people touted. We also need to be a lot more solid in midfield because we've kept one clean sheet from 19 games in the Premier League. And that one clean sheet came against bottom of the table, Sheffield United. So we're conceding goals in every game, which make, which is making it difficult for ourselves. Now we're scoring lots. I think we scored three goals at home for the third time in four games. I think we've scored 10 goals in our last four home games. Goals are not really a problem. We've got Danny Ings and if we manage to keep Danny Ings through the summer, that partnership with Chad Adams is going to score us goals. It's The problem is at the other end of the pitch and the problem has been missing Romeo um, and having to rotate in a partner alongside James Ward-Prowse, which Ward-Prowse isn't the most physically imposing um, midfielder at the best of times. And I don't think the system has helped him on occasion. I think this new flexible system has helped us to a certain extent. But the centre-back partnerships, I'd like to see Vestergaard and Salasu next season. I like Walker-Peters at right-back, but we need that left-back in as well. We need to figure out we need to figure out a defensive system that is going to keep more clean sheets than we have managed this season. Couldn't agree more, mate. You've literally just summed up my thoughts. Left back is the is priority number one. I also think CDM, we've brought in Diallo and I do think he does have a big future ahead of him, but definitely with no Romeo on the pitch, we, we do look more exposed against teams. And I think that is a big contributing factor to us conceding lots of goals, not having a, a, a Romeo just mopping up in there. But um, I agree with you. I think Walker-Peters has been one of the best signings we've made in a long, long time. He's just at right back feels so, so much more confident when he's in the team rather than if, if you know, someone else fills in at right back. But then at centre-half, I think it has to be Salisu and Vestergaard hopefully starting the new season together. It'll be a bit difficult because both of them like to play on that left-hand side, but I think Vestergaard can, can move over to the right. And then if we bring in a solid left-back, um, I think we can very be very optimistic for next season and also sort out the goalkeeping situation I'm not sure about rotating each week oh man it's, doing my head it's in. a joke it's, I don't understand it I don't, what are we trying to achieve by rotating Forster and McCarthy we learn nothing that we don't already know neither of them are comfortable with the ball at their feet McCarthy's a better shot stopper Fraser's a bigger presence um, Fraser saves a penalty against Palace which changes the game changes the complexion of the game and then he gets dropped the next week for McCarthy and McCarthy didn't do anything wrong against Fulham didn't have much to do, but I just don't don't get the logic. That needs to be figured out for next season. Talk of Angus Gunn potentially rejoining Norwich. I'm not yeah. sure if you saw that. Potentially re- rejoining Norwich, who've just been promoted back to the Premier League. So, I mean, we need to figure that out. We need a number one and we need a number two. At the moment, we're just 
we're a little bit clueless. I think. Yeah, there. I don't. Really, I don't understand rotating that. So we need to sort it out for sure. All right, Jack. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Just two games left of the Premier League season. We will be back after the Leeds game on Tuesday night with a podcast which will be out Wednesday morning, reviewing that fixture. Then the final game of the season, away to West Ham. That will be our final podcast of the season before we begin uh, looking at the Euros and a transfer window. Jack, we'll have to have a conversation about the sorts of content that we'll be putting out then. One final word, though, on the return of fans, because there will be fans back at the Leeds game. Um, Looking forward to that. I think we both watched the Chelsea-Leicester FA Cup final. Fantastic to see fans back in the stadium, in that case, Wembley. And that the, the, the atmosphere when Tillemans picked out a top corner from 25 yards, that's what we've missed, isn't it? The football has been sterile without fans in the stadium. It's not the same at all. Have appreciated having it because those three months with no football was dreadful. But can't wait to get fans back in the stadium and have that atmosphere again. Yeah, Leeds, Leeds game on Tuesday night is massive. I think having fans back, um, they were obviously on great form, beating, they won 4-0 on the weekend, didn't they? Um, but I think that's got all the makers of being a really, really good open game. Um, but yeah, when I think of Leeds at home, I just think of that 3-1 win back in the championship. Dean Hammond scoring the opener on the, I think it's the first, yeah. first game of the season. So good memories of playing them at home. But I've, fingers crossed we get a good result. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Set the tone for promotion, that, that result, didn't it? Did. it? Set, the, set the tone for, the, for a fantastic season. So yeah, let's catch up then. Thank you everybody for listening. Jack, thank you for joining me. Nice one, mate. See ya. Thank you.